It's the context of sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just hear like typing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's the context of sound. Welcome back. Episode number three. We did it. Yay. <laughs> we did it. We did it. It's fine. What were you um, say? <laughs> I'm really excited about this week's one because it's, yeah, it's going to be juicy. I have been jonesing to do this story <laughs> for so long. I, I'm really excited. I'm like literally about to like Diane Sawyer the fuck out of this like piece i got like, diane sawyer yeah i mean i'm totally put on my like my diane sawyer cap i'm just gonna fuck this this whole thing up. diane sawyer looks exactly the same the same she's not changed as she, for like 30 years i know i think she needs to give everyone like her doctor's number and yeah. email address whoever whoever is doing that upkeep also martha stewart martha, martha stewart, stewart is she's doing well do you know she's 75 years old no way I am not fucking with you. I would not fuck with you. That's ridiculous. 75. She's 75. Uh, by the way, if you've not... She, she's fresher than all your faves. She's all fresher than all of your faves. <laughs> Do you know... Uh, if you've not read... Have you read her um, her Reddit AMA? No. It's one of the greatest things I have ever seen. If you've not if you've not read it, just go on to Reddit and listen. I've not read it. I've not read it on Reddit. Yeah, she goes into... Some, some dude... Ask her about her former modeling career. Most people know that oh, Ma- yeah. Martha Stewart used to be like a model. Yeah, she's a total babe, just like such total a Betty. Babe. Um, Speaking and of Betty, happy ninety fifth birthday, geez. Betty White. Happy ninety fucking fifth. God damn! I swear to God, like twenty seventeen, better fucking watch it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I swear we cannot lose her. I just think she needs to stay around forever. Like, just, yeah. just stay around forever, Betty. But um, in other news. I don't know if you saw this. This is, I learned this today on my commute over here, mm-hmm. which I'm just going to tell an L.A. story real quick. I was on the 405 <laughs> driving south. No, so I had, on the the, 101. I had the distinct pleasure of driving from Venice all the way to uh, the far east side here, mm-hmm. as I would like to Watch say. Watch it. I mean, not the far. I mean, you know what I mean. It's not. It's just far for from Venice. You know what oh, I mean. Oh, it's far from Venice, and for sure. And uh, especially in the time frame in which I had to just do that, and also the added plus of it raining today, which was yeah. super great, rain in LA. And I get I'm on the highway and I'm looking on my phone, which I shouldn't have been doing, but whatever. Hey. It wasn't moving. Hey. It happens. Hey, we all do it. We all do it. And I see <laughs> that Anita Baker retires from music. What today? What? Yeah. What? She just retired. Who She's like, that? I'm just gonna stick to my coffee. Somebody on Twitter was like asking her. Um, they said they were like, "Hey, sis, when's the new record?" And she's like, "New record? I'm on the beach. I'm retired. I'm done." And then like hashtag God is good or some shit. Like devastation. Wow. <sighs> I love that woman. Man. Yeah, Anita Baker's amazing. She's fantastic. Yeah. I met her once. It's the only, one I of the few times too. I've ever She's been tiny. starstruck. She's real small. And I met her and I was like in the worst shape of my life. Like I had just gotten out of bed and went to the grocery store and I mean, just looked like a bum. It was ashy, you know, just <laughs> in no condition to be meeting Anita Baker and uh, just failed that whole interaction. We, could do, we, we have to do like an episode on like 
the kings and queens of Quiet Storm or something. Oh my god, I am so fucking there for that. That's <laughs> the a kings great and idea. Queens of Quiet Storm. That's a we great idea. We could pick idea. a couple people each, maybe. We really could. Yeah, we really could. Yeah. Um. um okay, so we, we now that we're like a real podcast and like we've been around for a couple of weeks now, mm-hmm. we have some business to take care of. We do. We have some. Um, corrections, general kind of corrections. And actually, I, I'd like to start off with one of my own corrections, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, last week we were talking about Twitter and things of that nature. And I yeah. said, I made a bold statement <laughs> that is, Twitter is not trolly. Somehow I said something along the lines of Twitter is you did say that. the least trolly or not as trolly or somehow. That was, in fact, a not lie. based on fact. No, not at all. And Zero truth to it. So full of lies. And I don't know. I was like immediately on Twitter the next day going, oh, wait, this is full I've of made hate a huge speech. Mistake. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, okay, well, I mean, it is 100%. It's full of trolls. It is. It is where they were born. Yeah, there's trolls aplenty. Uh, it's just, it's. It, bridge trolls, bridge in trolls. fact. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, there was there was that. Um, there was that. We got a, a really nice email from Aaron Thomas. Thank you, Aaron. Who um, he said the issue with remember we were talking about P Diddy and that he had been fired from from Uptown Records yes. for some some um, people dying at a party. Uh, yeah, he 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 let us know the issue with Diddy wasn't a house party. It was a stampede at a celebrity basketball game fundraiser at City College, and then he linked to a New York Times article, which is ridiculous. Like a stampede. Stampede. Like what was going? Did and. Did you get any information? I didn't actually read the article. I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> I'm sorry, Aaron. Thank you for sending this my Appreciate way. Appreciate it. Um, I'm going to put, you know what? I'm going to post a link to it on our Twitter. You should. So we can all learn we something. We all learn something. We all have something to learn that every day. That is true. That's very true. Um, learn some shit. And also he came correct uh, on another thing, which is Gwen Stefani's song, which we kind of butchered a little bit. Which one? Um, it's actually called Luxurious. What I think we initially called it Glamorous and then... Something else. But thank you, Aaron. Thanks. We respect Gwen. <laughs> we respect you. And we respect that song that is luxurious. Do. Also, I got yelled at by like three different people about forgetting to talk about Alanis Morissette's oh MTV Unplugged. Oh my God. What? Yeah. We fucked up. We fucked all the way up. Oh my God. We yeah. also talked about MTV in the 90s and we didn't talk about Alanis Morissette. Not one time. Not once. Not once. Wow. I feel. So, yeah. I feel embarrassed. Absolutely. Wow. So, well, you know what? We should, we'll do an episode on like the greatest selling albums of all time. We will. And you know, she will be one of yeah, them. We'll talk, we can just do a whole episode on Alanis. We could. We can talk about like pre-Ryan Reynolds Alanis and then post-Ryan <laughs> Reynolds Alanis. I saw them together at the airport once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was that? I was like totally starstruck by her. Part of me feels like it would be She's like seeing a so teacher beautiful. in beautiful. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. Like surprisingly beautiful. I was just like, <gasps> she just like, she had a glow. She had a, mm-hmm. a t- complete line of glow around her. She had like a really pretty aura. Yeah, she did. She had a beautiful aura. It was like bright white. Yeah, she's a beast. She and, really is. Um, also, I have another correction of my own, which is, I don't know where I came up with these mathematical figures. Math has never been my strong suit. I didn't pass algebra. I, I said that Mariah Carey's 
Unplugged had sold 15 million copies. You sure did. I did. You I did. said it. And I like, I like fought you on it. And yeah. you were just like, no. And I was like. I was wrong. <laughs> but you know what else? You were wrong too. I was? Because um, Homeboy's, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, <laughs> the blues dude that we were talking about. <laughs> Clapton. Eric Clapton. <laughs> Eric Clapton's sold 26 million copies. Yes, yeah, I've w- I said that he was. A f- I didn't say that that's all he sold was 10 million. Yeah. That he was just the first one to sell 10 million. 26 million copies. That's bananas. Yeah. Does that have like a specific like certification? Like what's beyond diamonds? I tried diamond? to find. I tried to find some information on like diamonds certification and you know, when it had gone diamond, I couldn't really find. Also, I just gave up after a couple of minutes. It, it wasn't in the first two pages of like, my search. Oh, I was I convinced so. it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So I think we've, we've cleared everything up. Right. I think so. Yeah. I don't think I have any other, but we did also get, um, temporarily banned. From oh yeah. We got temporarily banned. Cause Apple won't let us be great. They won't. And, but we should, we said bullshit. We, we dropped an S bomb in our description and yeah. they, they were like, bye. I thought it was because they assumed that our little jingle was just like too explosive for like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 you guys got to be charging for this bad boy. Like this is some serious heat. But alas, it was just the word bullshit. It's a context of sound. Seriously though. I mean, have you ever? Have you ever? Never have I ever. But uh, yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah. Um, now that we're getting back on iTunes and, uh, that should be back up and running soon. Yeah. It should be, you know, by the time this is all put together, my goal this week is to sound 20% less stupid. Mm-hmm. I want to say less likes and I want to say less ums. I would like to do that as well. I would also like to, uh, stop playing minute long instrumental openings. Mm, and that's kind of cool. I think I'm going to like figure out this whole, like, how do we like incorporate this music uh, in a way in which isn't so jarring. Well, if we or were just, just doing this full time, mm-hmm. yeah, we'd be flawless as fuck. As fuck. But we're busy. That is true. We're busy a people. Ass time we job. have a lot going on. Sorry. Sorry. So get off we're of our doing, the best, we're we doing the best we can. Th- we throw this together <laughs> while we're on the toilet. Exactly. And <laughs> I almost had to pee in a bottle on the way over here. I am so dedicated, <laughs> so dedicated to this podcast. Do you we understand? Do it for you. I am breaking my back for the love of this here venture. <laughs> yeah, so it's fine. Okay. Play those long ass intros. Oh, I certainly will. Let's it gives just, us all the time to collect that thoughts. And maybe we can like like kind of like do like a Giles Peterson style where we just like, like lower it down a little bit. Song, like, yeah. And it's like that's a real fire track there. Yeah, that was really heat. Oh uh, yeah, that one's um coming out of Brazil. Yeah. Big up super Yeah. Brazil come yeah. Come Shout out to Giles you are the best. Yeah, you're the best. Anyways, um, so yeah, what are we talking about today, Sam? <laughs> Today's episode is about the rise and fall of empires. Yes. Musical empires. Musical empires. Record yeah, labels. Not like Roman, none of, no. That's hardcore history. You can find that there. That's great. Online. Yeah. No, we are doing musical <laughs> empires that sort of picked up, did something big, rose to, you know, the peaks of of success mm-hmm. and then fell the fuck off <laughs> fell way the fuck off and, and um and 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 in my story's case like you know came back in a little way here and there mm-hmm. had a second life yeah i mean i feel like does a record label ever really fully die you Do know any of us ever really die it's true i mean there's the the, the sort of implications of 
releasing music, uh, especially to the levels in which both of these kind of labels did, uh, they kind of like become far more infamous uh, yeah. than they than they have. And the stories are ridiculous. You know, like I guess I can say I'm talking about, and I've like yeah, what are you talking totally about? nerded out about this whole thing for the last week or so. Uh, Murder Inc. Murder which Inc. is I'm gonna murder. It's murder. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Murder Inc. is almost exclusively responsible for the way in which pop music is the pop music landscape looks right now. Wow. Like, and I'll get into it in just a second. That's hate speech. That's it. No, no, but I mean, like, no, in the re- in the reason, and I guess not like in I'm not talking about way. like you know like the fucking you know like what's the What's, who's the one blonde girl with the... Uh, Taylor Swift? Oh, not, well, I guess her, too. I'm not talking about that shit. You know, like the the girl with the bass-like treble or whatever. Oh. Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer. Oh, God. I almost said Megan Kramer, which is a girl <laughs> I went to middle school with. What's up, Megan Kramer? Shouts. Um, um, no, I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, talking about in the like sense of like how R&B, hip-hop and R&B like is trap pop music. Pop. Like, yeah. in the sense that, like, Murder, Inc. essentially made hip-hop and r&b pop music yeah it was pop it they made that it was a sound yeah um i mean it, i mean it had been before them but in a they they almost brought this like manufactured like pop like song, element yeah, to hip-hop it was, that's what it was it yeah. was like it was you look you listen to the music that they made they were like really like a hip-hop track wasn't necessarily structured the same way as a regular song would be it was never structured like in a song verse chorus hook, yeah. song verse bridge. chorus bridge yeah you know yeah, like yeah. none of that but um, when they kind of stepped into the game and how they really took hold was like these fucking wow. duets, R&B, hip hop duets yeah. that had followed these very specific formats. You could pop anybody in and out. Yeah. And it fucking, it was bananas what it did. But anyways, enough about that. I'm like super excited. Crazy. To talk I'm about excited it. too, because, um, you know, I don't know a ton. I mean, I know the basics, but I know there's some juicy things in there about what was really going on behind the scenes. I remember hearing stuff about, mm-hmm. you know, people being mixed in with crime and and things of that and things of that and things nature. of that nature. Um, which my story has a bit of that too. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Casablanca Records, which is the exactly. yeah, like bananas disco predominantly disco i mean that was what they were known that's what they did yeah Yeah. that's what they did and um big big things in the 70s i feel like your story is going to be far more dramatic i mean mine's pretty dramatic but like i I just imagine yours being like a boz lerman movie and mine's more of like a david fincher film (laughs) like if they were to like make them into movies mine's very like cocaine i know yeah Yeah, just like (laughs) big flashy a lot of like Oh, God, I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, there's a lot of great stories about Casablanca. There's a really good book that a lot of my information and quotations come from. There's a great record compilation about mm-hmm. it. They need to make a movie about it. Absolutely. I mean, I think the same thing about this one. Yeah. I mean, I'd love a TV show. Oh, like a lifetime TV series? A mini series? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. We're calling people tomorrow. After, I mean, I feel like we need to also talk about who we would cast in this Lifetime movie series for Casablanca. Okay. Um, who would be Donna Summer? Mm. Fantasia. <laughs> what? That makes no sense. <laughs> I just want to see Fantasia try it. Oh, man. Fantasia. <laughs> just Fantasia doing anything. I'll, I'll watch it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you ready? Like, Yeah. Let me just... Get myself some tea and I will get started. <laughs>
I'm gonna get myself some tea from this story. All right, yeah, I'm ready. All right, so let's start like in the, the um, let's start in the mid '90s. Um, oh. We've got ourselves um, early '90s actually. We've got ourselves like a young Irv Gotti. He's a dude from Irv Queens. Gotti. Um, he and his brother Chris kind of started. They started getting into music quite a bit. I was listening to some kind of interviews with Chris. He was talking about how, how everything got started with them. One thing that I actually had no idea until earlier this week that Irv really got his biggest start because he was Jay-Z's initial DJ. Really? Like he DJ like on the road? On the road. He was his DJ. Was he a hype man too? Um, I just said, this is just a DJ. So mm. I'm assuming he was a hype man. I mean, but this is like before reasonable doubt. So he's touring around with Jay-Z. Jay-Z was kind of unsigned at the time. Obviously, super young, raw talent. People were like kind of really jumping on, on his bandwagon in general. Mm. So Irv's recognizing that that's happening, kind of jumps behind him, starts producing some records for him. Also grabs DMX in the in the same time mm-hmm. uh, and signs his other group named Cash Money Click, which uh, J, uh, Ja Rule was a part of. Okay. So this is mid-90s. Um, they kind of started... He signed these people? He kind of got them all together. Okay. So he, he signed and found them and started like working all together with them. Um, the kind of biggest, the first big major release that Irv and Chris had, this was kind of like a little bit right before like Murder Inc. became a thing. But this is like really what, what started the the label in general. There was a, a track called Shit's Real by Mike Geronimo mm-hmm. that um that came out uh I think in like ninety five ish, I wanna say. And that was kind of like how they first got started. There's a really funny story about how they were getting airplay. They knew that like um Biggie's Big Papa mm-hmm. and early early um and, uh, so it was Biggie's Big Papa and MJB were like two big tracks that they wanted to like make sure that when any time that those those songs were played on mm-hmm. like the uh, one nine hundred video request lines like way oh way back God. in the day like way yeah. back in the day when I was a little kid I remember like way you just like this is when you would play you would like call in essentially for everyone that's like under the age of thirty probably <laughs> yeah. you would call in and request you type in a number and they would request. They would like let them play a music video, so it would just kind of like, it's like a proto TRL kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you were requesting, you request but you would, it video. was costing like a dollar fifty. Yeah, it was not cheap to do so. Yeah. but the crazy thing was the reason the, the reason how they got a lot of exposure from Mike Geronimo was anytime they saw because they figured out what the number for like Biggie and MJB were, and so anytime they saw that somebody requested those, they would immediately call and like request the Mike Geronimo video to be played. So they would literally spend a dollar plus each time they wanted each time they saw those play those songs were being played, and that's how they got like a lot of exposure from Mike G. Wow, which is nuts. So <laughs> they take this route. Um, they, you know, in the process. Uh, actually, let's play shits real a little bit. Yeah, I want to hear some shits real. Let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Represent for the fam from crazy ass queens. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? What's 
check it out. Check, check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Another day you're stepping through the belly of the beast. I leave the compound and make my way to my stomping ground. Classic New York sound. Yeah. A popular sample too. Mm-hmm. Um, this music video is pretty hilarious. Um, it's a really great story. Um, they didn't have any money to actually like record this music video. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time they they enlisted the help of like a super young hype Williams. Oh my god. Uh, this what? was like before he was doing anything. Uh, and that Bluetooth thing is whack. Yeah, it's a little whack. But <laughs> anyhow, so they actually um, he was shooting a video for I think it was like Jodeci or something at the time. He was like assisting, mm-hmm. and they had shot a lot of B roll and they needed just something, and so hype just slid him a bunch of like stock footage from the shoot they had that was left over from that and they composited that with some stuff from Mike G and they made a music video out of it it was like one of the first Hype Williams music videos to come through was for Mike Geronimo uh, for an early Irv Gotti um, murdering crazy yeah Um, so as Mike G is kind of starting off they get um, a couple more tracks. So another big one that came through from Mike Geronimo uh, is was kind of where Jay Z and um, Ja Rule also featured on that track. And actually, let me see if I can play that one. Yeah. This one is kind of uh, an early track with Ja Rule, DMX. All these dudes. Super early DMX, super early Ja Rule. What's all the noise about? Have some respect, shut the fuck up. Drive by, money talking shit, yo, back the truck up. And niggas don't respect me, but you fear me. And fear is better than respect, y'all niggas hear me. If I smack the shit out of this nigga, his man over here is like, yo, what, nigga, what? You can never, ever go wrong with the DMX. <laughs> I saw DMX. That is a, like such a distinctively like New York. It's so New York. Like yeah, DMX. I, I saw very randomly at the Roots picnic this past year. Really? And it was one performing. Of, performing. Oh yeah. He did a whole set. He brought his dad out on stage. And he has re- was he wearing overall shorts? His dad. And he was, has really yeah. skinny ankles. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember seeing footage of thinking, yeah. that, thinking like you need to do leg day. No, his dad was wearing like overall shorts and it looked like a like farmer Jerry and had like ashy like kneecaps and everything. It was great. DMX is up there preaching. I mean, he had like a probably a 15 minute sermon. It was crazy. Wow, what was he preaching about? DMX things. You know, he he uh, he found Jesus and, you know, he's been doing his thing and That's great. He's talking about his like does he have like 32 kids or like oh, something like 23, something like that. It's some variety of that number. Potent. Um, potent. Sperm. <laughs> potent sperm right there. <laughs> uh, so, um that was that track was the kind of first time that DMX, Ja Rule, Jay Z get their foot in the door. Kind of this is right before Jay Z starts blowing up, right before Ja Rule kind of does anything, and DMX as well. Mike G kind of falters, um, but because uh, he was able to grab um, Jay Z and DMX and bring them to Def Jam, yeah, uh, he got a job there. So he starts working A and R there, um, and 
because Jay Z and <clears throat> excuse me, Jay Z and Ja and Jay Z and DMX do really fucking well. The kind of next big thing that happens after that is what is ends up being one of my favorite songs of literally all time, like literally all time, <laughs> right here. And I might have to play the whole thing because I fucking love it that much. Probably not, but we'll see. What? Mm. Fuck you, bitch. You know what I'm saying? This is yeah it's a club staple it's a fucking yeah. jam i mean it was top to bottom yeah beginning to end this track is fucking from the back to the middle and around and again. around again. Yeah, I love this song. Yeah, it's, it's 1998. Great. This drops and the ladies. Who are the ladies that are on there? Emil yeah. is on this. Her verse is sick. Oh, she's great. Yeah, and Ja's verse. Honestly, this was like the first time uh, that Ja Rule was really, really introduced to a major market because this song was gigantic. Can yeah. I get a like dropped? And it was everywhere. I yeah. mean. You could not not listen. You could not listen to the radio if you listen to any hip hop station and not anywhere in the country. Yeah, and not or go into a song. club and not hear it. And not hear it. And it's still fucking hot. Or I mean, every middle school <laughs> dance. A middle school dance for this? God, this would be an awful song for middle school dance. That reminds me of a really funny story about this song. I was driving down the street one time and I was listening to it. Uh, and I was, it was in the middle of summer and I remember sitting in the back of a, sitting in my car with my windows down and I'm just like very passionately like reciting every <laughs> single fucking word of this song. I mean, put a lot of heart and soul into that, you know, like was just really into it. And this particular verse, uh, when, <laughs> um, actually when, um, uh, when Ja Rule says, actually, let me just bring this down here. When Ja Rule says, bitches better have my money for show before they go running their mouth, promoting how I be dicking they back out, go ahead, let it out, I fucks with my gad out. I'm like screaming this at mm-hmm. the top of my lungs. Is the I music look playing? Over. Or music's just playing. You? Okay. Uh, but I was just, I was really into it. And I look over to my right and there's literally like six kids waiting oh, for the bus bless. with their parents as well. And I'm just like. You were that <laughs> guy. I was that guy. Yeah. Yeah. that was me. Anyhow, so so that was like the first thing Ja Rule was on that was like that really was on a national, on a national international, level. international. That launches Ja Rule into because mm. honestly, like his verse on that record is like hands down one of my favorite things. I I just love it, um, and the success of that, the obviously the overall success of um, Jay Z and DMX's first few records with Def Jam. I mean, he made Irv was able to make Def Jam like over a hundred million dollars. What? Uh, and just like because of, of him, those two and the other signings that he was able to bring over. So this Russell, is before this even was he before, did murdering. This is before murdering ever started. Okay, wow. Um, so because he was able to like do that, Russell Simmons gave him like a couple million dollars to start his own label. Mm. 
So he decides to Thanks, call Russ. his label Murder Inc. after uh, John Gotti's. Um, no, it's not John Gotti's. There's just like there was a um, a crime and syndicate called Murder Inc. Um, was, and was Irv Gotti's real name Gotti? No, or did his he name like change like, it to be like his name John was like Gotti? Irving Lorenzo? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, he's from Queens. He's Dominican and African American. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his name's Irving Lorenzo. Which sounds like a, I want to say like a soap opera star or like a, maybe like a Quiet Storm DJ. Like <laughs> this is Irving Lorenzo hey. taking your requests all night long. Y'all got Irving Lorenzo here tonight. About to bring the <laughs> I don't know I don't know what a fucking Quiet Storm DJ says. I want you ladies to call me. <laughs> let me know how you're feeling tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love the slight please accent on the end of there. But it's interesting that they really like. My story goes into it too, like how much there was a the, the music industry was. Some of it was entangled with the mob, mm-hmm. and some of it, especially like New York hip hop in the '90s, like really idolized like the mafia and mob. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much reference to it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he said that like. The murder, like the real sort of like Italian Mafia murder, Inc. They put a lot of hits out, uh, and his reasoning that he spun was like that he wanted to put out hit records, put out a lot of fucking hits. (laughs) That was him. Hey, Um, so and that's in like ninety six, ninety seven. Um, he signed Ja Rule as his like kind of first big signee, and the murder, murder, Inc. is uh, oh, sorry, this is like ninety eight, maybe. Murder, Inc. becomes a thing, excuse me. So, shortly thereafter, in 99, you get uh, Ja Rule's, like, big debut, which did super well, Holla Holla. Mm. Holla Holla, all my niggas that's ready to get dollars, dollars, you just know who could get them a little hotter, hotter, come on, if you roll it with me, holla, holla, it's murder. So, mm. mind you, and let's do a check okay. here. I'm gonna do. There are three solid hits, and the record label hasn't even started yet. Wow! With murdering, so Ja comes out the gate with Holla Holla and Vidi Vidi Vici, which was his first record, does super well, goes platinum, big deal. Ja starts exploding on the scene, 2099 ish, like um, a pocket rocket. Pocket rocket, <laughs> like a pocket rocket. <laughs> um, he gets, he just blows up. Vinny Vinny Vici, 99, 2000, does really well, that particular record. Um, in 2000, uh, as he's kind of climbing up, a really funny interaction happens, which actually even contributes to the demise of Murder, Inc., which is uh, a really weird story because it's petty as fuck. Uh, <laughs> and it cracks me up. Uh, so in 2000 on a music video set Jairo had a music video and 50 Cent was invited this is before Indie Club becomes a thing this, mm-hmm. this is 2000 nobody really knows who 50 is quite okay. yet um, yeah 50 was like after the turn of the century yeah 2002-ish is yeah. kind of when he became a thing um, and he gets invited there this is really funny uh, quote from uh, Chris Gotti that I want to <laughs> read because one of the things that I love the most about 50 Cent is uh, 
his pettiness because it knows no <laughs> bounds. And because he has, and even now, because he has like so much like vitamin water money, mm-hmm. he is, and doesn't really do much else beyond power. But, he doesn't, just, but does he, or isn't he, remember he was like bankrupt and owed his baby mamas like a bunch of money and had to sell his house and like. <sighs> was that a thing? It was a thing. I thought. Do you remember? He was oh. like cleaned out. I he mean, was? Michael Jackson died half a billion dollars in debt. Oh shit, that is true. Hey, it happens. I thought he. I think. He, I mean, I thought People he had buy money. a lot of shit on Amazon. Because I remember when he, um, <laughs> when he like, when he bet <laughs> Floyd Mayweather fifty thousand dollars to read three pages from Harry Potter. Who Floyd did? Because Floyd Mayweather is kind of illiterate, oh. and he like very famously like bet him fifty thousand dollars. To read. Oh, that's petty. It's so petty. <laughs> so this is like the type of pettiness that we're talking here. So in 2000, <laughs> 50 was invited to this uh, music video set. And uh, I want to read this little quote from, from Chris Gotti. Uh, it says, 50 was invited to come. Uh, again, I don't know him. Irv doesn't know him. Ja doesn't know him. This is the essence of where the beef started. 50 comes in the back, says what's up. Again, and I guess he didn't get enough conversation from Rule. Rule just said what's up and kept moving. Rule was talking to everybody, and I think he wanted to talk to him some more than he did or whatever. He was probably a little pissed off or something. And shortly after that is when he started doing little mixtapes underground records. So essentially it's like mm. 50 shows up at a event, at a, function. at a function, at a music video, and is bothered that he didn't get enough attention. Mm. And thus the beef started. It's that simple. It's also a little bit complicated, I guess, in the sense that they're both from Southeast Queens, same neighborhood ish kind of mm-hmm. uh and so like they were just competing for like that kind of like i'm the king in this neighborhood bullshit so it's a lot of braggadocio a lot of nonsense mm-hmm. but um this beef the beginning of this beef in 2000 is going to come back to haunt them um <clears throat> but put a pin in it it gets even crazier even in 2000 because the pettiness continues uh and what ends up being a really stupid fucking fight which resulted in 50 cent getting stabbed at the uh, Hit Factory. What? Yeah. So Murdoch had this. This like, is after he was shot nine this times. Is after he was shot nine times, I believe. Allegedly, there's been no proof of this. Allegedly. Um, but fifty uh, and the most of the murdering crew, um, which at the time was like Irv, Chris, Ja, Black Child, Chris, Chris Black, mm-hmm. uh, O One, all these different people. Uh, they had this like party or something like that, and. Apparently, there was a speaker thrown, and Black Child allegedly might have stabbed, or was the one who stabbed uh, 50 Cent, I believe, and there was like a restraining order as a result against Chris and Irv by 50, and they had to pay out like $250,000 in like medical bills and shit like that. (laughs) Um, <clears throat> so this is all in the year 2000, like just a bunch in the of year 2000. <laughs> the year 2000. <laughs> um, so anyways, so 2000. Wow, uh, so much drama. I know. So like this, all this shit. They meet each other, and then somebody gets stabbed. This is some really ridiculous shit. That same year. Put It On Me gets released. Oh, yeah. Which is a now classic jam. Hey. 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 That was like such a signature of their sound. Yeah, like it that. was. 
that like like Asianique like what is that thing called the or the I don't know what that is. This track also features Vita, who's another uh, Murder Inc. signee, um, and yeah, it's a fucking jam. It's a cut. It's just crazy. Like his voice was such a mainstay. Yeah. <clears throat> on radio. Yeah. I mean, there was the like. There was legitimately probably a six-year period of time where there was not a month where there was not a Ja Rule yeah. record or feature he was on, on the radio. Remix. He was on everything. He was on everything. Um, this is a fucking rock-solid track. Um, Lil Mo, whom mm. oh my God. came through with this one. They worked with her a lot kind of yeah. early on, uh, but kind of when they got to around like 2001... Which is when uh, they kind of got hooked up with Ashanti, mm. uh, where they kind of started swapping Ashanti out for for Lil Mo, or swapping Lil Mo yeah, out yeah. for Ashanti. But hang on, let's listen to Vita a little bit because this is my shit. I really miss this type of a flow. I know because. They're like East you Coast really wanted to flow. elocute those yeah. lyrics. Like, yeah. people mumble now. It's like a thing I know, but yeah, they're like you will hear these lyrics. Yeah, I mean, this is this is enunciation, hard R's, K's, yeah. C's, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a fucking cut, like yeah. hands down, big ass jam. Um, but still, again, we're at a count now of five. Five hits. So, 2001 comes by, and this is like when the fucking floodgates open yeah. for Murder, Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, few things happen. 2001, Irv gets hooked up with Ashanti. Ashanti had been known, I think like t- when she was like 14, she got signed to a development deal really? for like Bad Boy. Wow. Um, but like Diddy was being a piece of shit and like not really doing anything. So she didn't end up signing a deal with them. Um, and so then she gets signed on with Irv and like, I want to say like 1998, maybe nine, no 2001, which is where I'm at anyways. So she starts writing, she drops this track, uh, with big pun, uh, which is also, <laughs> also a jam, which I'm about to play now. R.I.P. R.I.P. I do not remember this. Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody remembers this. So, yeah, well, no fact, that. that is Ashanti's, like, first, basically, re- basic release. But that's release. the signature sound, though. Yeah, that, that's, she came right out of the gate with that. Yeah. So... I'll get on to, I mean, let's get Ja Rule out of the way for 2001, because I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about Ashanti, because, like, Ashanti's first She was the first lady. Was bananas. So, Pain, Pain is Love is released in 2001. Uh, Big-ass deal. Double, like, multi-platinum. I think it sold, like, oh, three million huge. copies. Like, tons of hits on that one. 
it'll be on the playlist. Uh, I've talked about Jarrell enough already. Uh, let's get into Ashanti because like she fucks some shit all the way up with her first record. <clears throat> she also had like some crazy stats behind her like pretty early on. Um, so 2001, she uh, does some backup backup vocals on this track, which I would be absolutely remiss to talk to <laughs> to not play because it's basically a fucking staple for the early 2000s. Oh. What's my motherfucking name? Are you LA? Blowing back on this Mary Jane. I'm analyzing the game. To bring pain. Oh my god, I actually had this on CD. This was my fucking hey. jam. Do you remember this music video with uh, J-Lo like hopping around? Can we just that? take a pause to... Can you wind this back to the beginning? Yeah. Because... Wait, stop it for a sec. Because there was a dispute about these lyrics for such a long time, which... I mean, like, literally over a decade, <laughs> was so confused about a lyric, just was cleared up for me about a year ago. What? You know when she says, are you Ellie? What I did literally you think it was? thought she was saying, like, are you eligible? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I wasn't the only one, so don't clown me. <laughs> because a lot of people did, and they thought, well, like, what is she saying there? What? What? She's literally are spelling you Ellie? Rule, She's Jarrell. literally spelling Jarrell. Never occurred to me. Not once. Not once. Wow. Well, let's hear that one more time. Just from the, just, <laughs> just that from first, the beginning. Just that one, just that one little sec. Hey. What's my motherfucking name? Yeah. Okay. That's all. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I do love this music video too. I mean, great classic, music video. Jo- I mean, like, was fucking, it a high poems video? Pro- I don't know. Let's look that up. Probably was. I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll say it was directed by Pipe Williams. Because, <laughs> like we said on our first episode, it's loosely based on It's loosely on based on facts. facts. If you know who it was, <clears throat> tweet us, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, anyhow, so that gets dropped. Um, Ashanti actually did the background vocals on that track, which is kind of a, another thing that she contributed to. And then um, she wrote this song, uh, which is another J-Lo fucking classic jam. Oh, it what? must be the ass it got me like, wow, man, the rule gonna have to get at us. Freakiest manners, J to the L-O, hello, no, I'm not. Anyways. Man, it's crazy. Like those J Lo songs from there, they they were like, they were such big records. They were huge records, and they were like huge on hip hop radio. Huge on hip hop. She on was pop. like a legitimate yeah. pop and hip hop R and B star. Yeah, like and this on, was in a all... big way. And honestly, they I was reading and something. also like making big ass movies. Big ass movies. She was on top of the fucking world yeah. in the early two thousands. I don't yeah. think you can say that. I think she might have been like the biggest female star back then. Yeah. I mean, I would argue I would say to say so. that. I yeah. mean, like between like. Definitely. Film and music. Yeah. Like, she was everywhere. This is a big track. Ashanti writes the whole thing in addition with, like, uh, Irv and a few other people. Um, and this is, like, kind of mid end of 2001 I for knew her. That Ashanti was much of a writer. Oh, she wrote basically everything. Wow. Um, that's the crazy thing about her debut um, was she, she kind of, her and Irv worked hand in hand and she obviously, but she contributed, she co wrote absolutely everything on her, on her record. But here's some crazy thing about Ashanti. 
Because um, in 2002, um, she releases her debut record, Ashanti, uh, with uh, the lead single, Foolish, mm-hmm. uh, which is a classic, classic jam as well. Also, this is jam number eight, again, two years into this label. Two years into the label. This is the eighth, like, smash hit. Mm-hmm. Interesting that she had initially been sort of I mean, the good thing about like the bad boy reference here yeah, like, is pretty, it's pretty crazy. Heavy. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. But so like Foolish is a big, big fucking hit. It's yeah. um Here's the crazy thing about Foolish that I just read. You treated me so bad. It's so good. They were saying that Foolish is the 19th most successful song of the 2000s of that entire decade. And then, uh, I don't know how up to date this fact is about Foolish. Uh, It said something, I think it was like 2012 or something that said this, but it was the third best physical, the third best selling physical single of the 21st century. What they were saying. This was in 2012. I'm sure, I don't know if that's changed or not. And also, like it was kind of the end of physical. It was end of physical. I mean, she sold 500,000 units in her first week. Wow. That's like the biggest, and that's the biggest debut for a female artist ever. Guinness really? World Record. Yeah. Oh, debut. Debut. Mm. Yeah. 500,000 in the first week, which is crazy. Um, that is crazy. And then she got like crazy. The other thing that she got eight billion eight Billboard awards. For this album, she won in every single category that she was nominated in. She got nominated for like three Grammys for this record, and then two other ones. Wow! Always on time and What's Love, which oh, always on were time. Um, also. I'm not even gonna play all of them because like I don't have enough time yeah, for all of the hits. Uh, also, Happy was that a single? Happy was a single like later on. I think that was like a, oh, we'll just put this out yeah, as a we'll single. Put this one out in there. Um, but yeah, she had, um, what was it? What's Love and Foolish? I was living in London when this came out, and yeah. it wasn't as big there. But, I I mean, it was big. Mm-hmm. It was definitely big. But mm-hmm. I, it wasn't, like, as, as big as it was here. Yeah. I mean, it was a, I mean, it was on top, it was top, number one for three consecutive weeks. Wow. Uh, which back in the day was a hard feat to accomplish, and, I mean, it was... Just it was a gigantic smash. I mean, yeah. she sold millions of copies of singles. She got three Grammy nominations, two more for those other tracks. Those other two, uh, "What's Love" and "Always on Time," were number one and two on the Billboard Hot 100 at the same time. Debuted what? there as well. She was the first person to do that since the Beatles. Like what? Yeah. Oh my God! Wow, I really didn't know any of this. Yeah, she had no. She had three top ten songs: "Foolish," "What's Love," and "Always on Time." On the same week. No one's ever done that beyond the Beatles. Uh, or at least up to that point. I'm sure like Beyonce's beaten that or whatever, but or Drake. Well I think now that it's all digital, it's all I digital mean, the weekend doesn't mean did anything. It. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Bummer. Um she does that. They drop records for Charlie Baltimore, who was also uh, a signee in that time frame. Mm. They also um drop my other favorite. Was also, if you recall, the a, side the boo. side piece for yeah. one Mr. Notorious B.I.G. Yes. So she releases a record, Vita releases a record in that time frame. Um, and then the other song that I want to make sure that I play from 2002 uh, is, or this is 2001, actually, I remember this now. It's one of my favorite music videos 
for a couple of reasons. This was during the time in which one of my favorite reality television shows of all time, Beanie and Bobby Brown, was on the air. Oh my god. Um, wow. Which you cannot find anywhere. It's on they have clips on YouTube. But clips. But clips. Like they do have one of my favorite clips, which is when Whitney and Bobby <laughs> were at the at the airport and they went to the duty free shop and they were trying on sunglasses. Oh, yeah. And they started <laughs> like doing, doing the dance. dance yeah. like, I'm trying on glasses. I'm trying <laughs> on, on glasses. Because they work for me. They work so for high. me. And then she How goes, Come high? on, Bobby. She was so, so high. high. Honestly, they need to I mean, I don't know if that would be I like insensitive like, to like put that on. There's some sort of legal Hulu situation with it where they where they made Can't it go away with. because it it just put them in such a bad light. And it's I mean, it is funny, but at the end of the day it is like two sick people. It's two sick people, it's yeah. true. But goddamn was that but good God television. Was it good? That was good fucking. Remember TV. the one where where she's talking about him pulling doo-doo bubbles out of her butt? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god god that show was so good i mean that's where hell to the gnaw was invented mm-hmm. like, yeah hell to the gnaw oh my god just yeah just also there was a bit where she was she was like this is my favorite song right now this is my favorite song right now black eyed peas shut up shut up just shut up shut up listen to those lyrics listen to those lyrics shut up shut up just shut up shut up Oh, God. She loved it. She loved it. Okay, so... We digress. On that note, back to this. Anyway, so they released a song called Down For You, which is Ja Rule, Ashanti, Vita, Charlie Baltimore. Big song. What does this have to do with being Bobby Brown? Because, like, Whitney and Bobby were in this video. Yeah, they made a cameo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing it was filmed in Atlanta for some reason. Miami. Oh, Miami. I don't know why it was there, but... I will play a little bit of the song because it's like Shut up, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> oh yes. Hey. Do you love a long intro? I do love a long intro. Hey. hey. I probably should have started it earlier. Oh. Do you trust me? Love me? Put it in on me? I must be. <laughs> this was a summer jam. This was a summer fucking jam. Like, you know what I think really worked? One of the things I think worked between Jaro and Ashanti mm-hmm. was this stark contrast between their their sound. Their sound. Absolutely. She That's... was like this little flittery little butterfly, mm-hmm. and he was like this like little like so, gopher yeah he just a guttural sound yeah. just really raw and she's just like really kind of like airy and i think too in the same way that like um i'm trying to think of a comparison like a they had um this kind of like really dynamic chemistry the two of them did together it's kind of like a drake and rihanna kind of like how they just like they have this really great dynamic mm. this really great chemistry that i think really resonated with people because um, so anyhow, this is 2001, 2002 comes around, uh, obviously Shanti drops her thing. 2003, uh, things start to kind of go a little amiss. Uh-oh. Um, so I'll backtrack a little bit. In 99, at like a music video set, um, Irv meets this guy named Kenneth McGriff, who went by Supreme. Uh, Supreme uh, is a super well-known New York City like drug dealer. He ran Team Supreme from like the 80s on. Uh, this was like a giant fucking drug operation, like mm. $200,000 a day kind of drug operation, like 
major one. Uh, he got locked up for a bit um, and got out and wanted to get involved in, like, uh, like most people were doing, which wanted to get out of the game. They just wanted to get involved in, like, entertainment. The music industry. The music industry. Yeah. You know, another game. The clips. <laughs> the clips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he wants to get involved in that. He wanted to make a movie. He starts meeting with the Inc. or with, with Murder Inc. And, and Irv in general. And the, that kind of relationship is formed. This gets the attention of the feds. Uh, because obviously, like Supreme's a giant. He's a documented. He's a kingpin. Yeah. Uh, drug uh, leader who served time, so they're monitoring him, obviously. Um, and all of this, uh, sort of, because of his relationship with Irv and the rest of the crew, like he ends up getting. Uh, they they essentially start targeting Murder Inc. as being the avenue through which uh, he was fun- like funneling and laundering money. Mm. Um, because he met them at the initial phases, like I said, 99, right, when Murder, Inc. was launching. So everyone thought, you know, like, oh, you get $2 million from Russell Simmons and that's all you need to, like, start a record label? So a lot of people were thinking, you know, like, that uh, the way in which uh, Supreme was, mon- was, like, laundering his money was through Murder, Inc. So, like, the feds... Uh, swoop in in 2003 and raid their offices downtown New York in the middle of like the Universal Music Group building mm-hmm. or whatever Midtown Midtown just yeah. they they raid his offices they raid their offices they raid everyone involved like they indict end up indicting um, Chris and Irv amongst other people and this legal process starts in 2003 yeah I remember I yeah. remember it at the time but I just don't really remember what happened next so also, what's happening in this time, 2003, is when 50 drops his record, Get Rich or Die Trying. Mm. Uh, Wangster comes out as well, which is taking shots at uh, Ja Rule, which is because their beef was still ongoing, because they're still being petty, releasing disc records back and forth. Mm. But 50 ends up becoming like a major fucking superstar Huge. in 2003. Like, if you remember, like, there was nobody bigger than 50 Cent back then. Yeah. Like, it's true. In general. So, 50 is beloved by the country, and as such, people kind of start positioning themselves or aligning themselves with 50 versus Ja in their ongoing beef and his popularity starts to wane. But also, too, because of the fact that they are being federally indicted. Uh, <laughs> so there was that. There was that, plus the fact that the, their biggest rival was the biggest star in the music industry and at the time. people are sheep. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and so everyone petty, was Team 50, too. and yeah. also you've got a lot of attention. You get dropped from Def Imagine Jam. Imagine if Twitter had been around. Yeah. So Murder, Inc. gets dropped from Def Jam in mm. um, 2004. They renamed themselves to The Inc. Yeah, uh, Ja Rule released his final record with, uh, with Murder, Inc., uh, R-U-L-E. Not to be confused with, are you eligible? Are you eligible? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> um, and it did not do well. Yeah. Um, so this is when everything starts to happen for the sort of downward spiral of them. During this time, they still have hits because Ashanti releases her uh, second album, Chapter 2, which does super well as well, and then gives us the classic hit, Rock With You. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I totally forgot that. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Hey. Anyways, so 
certifiable jam. It, also, <laughs> in hindsight, they kind of ripped off the Neptunes a little bit this on this one? beat. That kick, wait, the, the space. That yeah, kick. that is that's very clipsy. Like, yeah, like Mr. Me Too. Yeah. Next time. Anyways, so that's yeah. like. Oh my god! That so was when I was really into burning mixed CDs for my car. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> there was an infinite amount of mixed just CDs, like blank CDs, yeah. just chucked in the back of my car. That was definitely on the few. I hope that like one day when the world in society is like completely done and dusted, and they find your they mixed find, CDs, they just find like a bunch of like early two thousands mixed <laughs> mixed CDs in with like freeway. <laughs> I'm just thinking like you got like, like a lot of black. And um, mm-hmm. oh my god, B L A C Q U E. Do you remember that song they had with J C Sachet? Do I ever? Are that you kidding me? We should play jam. that at the end of the show. Absolutely. Cue that my up. My favorite part of that song, <laughs> it's down. Is um, are you digging my jeans, my my baggy jeans, my are you digging my, my Tim's, my jaggy jeans, my, my thug appeal? Yeah. Come on now, Jace. Yeah. I was oh. digging his thug appeal. I was totally into that thug appeal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so um, so they so things started things they, they started going down for them. Here's a crazy story that I didn't even know about. The conviction rate for a federal indictment is ninety nine percent. Yeah, because the government Nine, they do it's not federal. fuck around. It's federal, it's not state. But Chris and Irv were just like, we didn't do anything. We have nothing to do with this. He is just a friend. His money never touched this bill, this business. And they're like, nope, we're going to court over it. Lawyers were like, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But they're like, fuck it. Uh, and they fought in court for three years and spent ten million dollars on legal fees doing wow. so and beat their beat their case. But by that time, the ink had basically faltered. Ja Rule had left after the failure of Rule. Mm-hmm. Are you Ellie? Are you Ellie? <laughs> um, so like their biggest artist was done. Ashanti uh, was trying to go. Another signing that they had who was Lloyd. Um, oh, he yeah. tried to get out as well, but was unable to do so. Um, and then kind of got brought back in. Um, then I didn't know Lloyd was part of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. He actually wanted to leave before Ja left, but um, I think Irv convinced him to stay for a bit. Um, but then like Irv does a really weird thing and signs Vanessa Carlton. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Shut your entire fucking face. Yeah. So, part of so the, he like, put out 10,000 miles? No, no, no. That was not him. So he signed her after her second record. Okay. And then they produce this record called Heroes and Thieves, which I was just not a fan of. But I wanted to play one track just so you were to get what I was Okay, I'm, I'm ready to catch catch this. Okay. I'll play a little bit of it. <clears throat> um, this is I'm basically, just curious. Yep. Is this another long intro? I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> no, it's not. I think she starts soon. Holiday and I come home. I hope to see this boy I know. I can't wait for <laughs> Flipping through the radio, we sing along to the indie show. The songs they play me more than I can say. 
Mm-hmm. All right, I've had enough. It's not bad. It's just not what I. I mean, I was. It gets, I wonder if because you know she was. I think is still with the lead singer from Third Eye Blind. Yeah, he actually. I wonder if he wrote, he wrote on this. He, he did write on yeah, this. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's maybe. I don't know if that's where they met or that what. That was where I was. I was getting that. Yeah, it sounds very much like Third Eye Blind. Um, but also, Rick Rubin produced this record, mm. as did Irv. That this is was the weird verse, of course. Hang on. It's got a little Stevie Nicks ness to it. I also forgot that there was like a really big singer-songwriter resurgence in the right mid-2000s. Then. Oh, yeah. 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 That was something I forgot about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he signed her, uh, which was like a real left-field move they thought was going to go really well. But that record, Years and Thieves, came out and it did not do well. I think it sold like 75,000 copies mm-hmm. total or something like that, which was... When com- in comparison to two years prior, when you release a record on your label that you know sells three million copies in the span of a year, it's not really like a good. It, it's it's not a good indicator for the success of the of the record label itself. They're able to actually. The weirder part is he's able to re-sign with Universal after being dropped by Def Jam and Universal. It gets brought back, but everything kind of starts falling apart after after that happens. 2007, Jabu comes back to 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 the, like the the game with um, a song called Uh Oh, which I'm not gonna play because I don't like it all that much. And and then 2009, he releases like Ashanti from her contract because she was done there and wasn't able to do so. And then a month later, Lloyd leaves after being dissatisfied there. He needed more creative control and realized that they were losing their distribution strength amongst other things. And then, I mean. It kind of all just fell apart by 2012, pretty much. It was basically done. Um, in 2013, like, Irv said he was kind of going to bring it back. When Ja Rule got out of prison, <laughs> uh, he kind of joined back up with him. What was Ja Rule in prison for again? I don't remember. What was he in prison for? Racketeering. It was probably something like normal, like everyone like not paying their taxes. It was tax evasion, probably. <laughs> That's one thing I will never understand. Like, when you get a lot of money, when, like, when you're making millions of dollars, the one thing, the only thing you need to concern yourself with is paying your taxes. That's it. Just make sure they get paid. You can pay somebody else to worry about everything else, but you should make sure that that one thing happens. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, so so in 2007, he got arrested for gun and drug possession, and then 2011, yep, 28-month prison sentence for tax evasion. Oh, my God, tax evasion. Failing to pay more than $3 million. Oh, shit. Oh, pay on more than $3 million. Not necessarily that. So, yeah, he was in prison for... Oh, shit, wait a second. No, let me read this. 2007, he got arrested for gun and drug possession and served eight months in prison during 2010 for attempted possession of a weapon. Uh, and then in 2010, at the end of 2010 in December, he received a two-year prison sentence after pleading guilty to attempted possession of a weapon. And then in 2011, his surrender date for his two-year prison sentence was set to June 8th. Uh, and then he got an additional 28 months on top of those two years. For um, tax evasion. For tax evasion. Damn. So he got a shit ton of time. <clears throat> R-U-L-E. I know. Are <laughs> you le for probation? He's not L-E. <laughs> but he got out uh, in, early in 2013. Damn. So that's a lot. 
Anyways, so that's kind of like the end of it. It just kind of really just fell off with all their major signees of um, Ashanti leaving the record label um, to go with Interscope uh, and some other people. Lloyd left. Um, he kind of did fine because he had that hits with Drake. Drake had become a thing by this point in time. <laughs> uh, Bedrock, that was, you know, Lloyd kind of came back and was fine with that. Um Obviously, Ja did his thing. He had his weird, got out of prison, had that weird reality TV show that he did and started mm-hmm. back up with that. But yeah, they're big, they're big kind of main stars left. And then like Charlie Baltimore, Vita, Black Child, all those people like that just were, weren't able to kind of like make much of a statement. And that was kind of the demise of them. But I mean, in the kind of the decade that they were active or I, really i mean their their main time was between 2099 and 2005 and yeah. in that time i think they sold a total of like 30 million records wow which is crazy for a record label to start and to do so well and to i mean if you really think about it like i was saying like the 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 sort of hip hop in the pop sense that we know it now um that was murder inc mm-hmm. i mean really the people like the the drakes uh, wouldn't wouldn't be who he is without the people like Ja Rule like doing what they did and kind of like putting that song structure into hip hop uh, in a way in which uh, incorporated a lot more sort of R and B in a way in which it had never really done been done so f- before. Uh, I guess it, I mean obviously like R and B and hip hop had been intertwined for quite a long time, but like yeah. in the sort of like the the sort of pop factory sense that it that it became that was Murder Inc through and through. But yeah, so anyhow, um, Murdering, a unbelievable record label that is responsible for all of the hits of your childhood and mine, they changed the game and forever, um, I mean, gave us some of the greatest tracks of the mm. early 2000s, hands down. So Thanks, Murdering. Thanks a lot. R.I.P. Absolutely. Oh, did you know that Ja Rule was in a Christian made-for-TV movie? called i'm in love with the church girl yes i did was it like a hallmark channel i think it was yeah that was a couple of years ago mm-hmm. i remember seeing a yeah also their gyral 50 cents feud is still ongoing oh uh, because pettiness because no i roll exactly because hashtag i roll <laughs> uh anyhow so yeah that is my story okay so, I am going to tell you the story of Casablanca. 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 Records. Bienvenido a Casablanca. Bienvenido a la Casablanca. <laughs> okay, Casablanca. This story, first of all, is so, it's just so 70s and 80s, which is what I love about it. Because, I mean, the seven, you know, I, I like, we're in the golden age of television. That is true. We are not in the golden age of music. That is very true. We're just not. Well, we're just in the not. 70s? Yes, of, of music recording. But there were so many, like, good jams in the 70s. Like, you mean, like... No, the, like, the 70s is the golden age of, like, music recording. Oh, I thought you said, like... Now? Yeah, not, oh, now or not. Yes. Oh, yes. Let's, let's, True. 
Come on, girl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like syntax and like structure and things like that. Like you 70s, should pay attention to things, 70s music recording, the way yes. the equipment, the way records were recorded, the, the way they were mixed, uh-huh. those, the the types of things that were, you know, being produced with strings. You had orchestras, but you had the beginning of dance music the mm-hmm. way it is now. Mm-hmm. It was exciting. It was... I mean, for me, there's a lot of, a lot of great eras of, of music recording. There's, you know, jazz, there's early rock and roll, bebop, et cetera. Absolutely. But the 70s, for 70s sure. 70s into Change 1983. Yeah. Change the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Golden, for me, golden age of music. Mm-hmm. Today, golden age of television. Absolutely. We're really good I at agree. TV now. We are super good at music, TV. Music, meh. Okay. It's but in fine. the 70s, we were killing it. Killing it. Killing it. We weren't. We weren't, personally. <laughs> but I like to think that if I was in the Girl, 70s... if you'd be dead. I would absolutely never make it out of the I 70s. I would be 100% dead right now. <laughs> You're 100% dead. No doubt. There's no way I would have made it out of the 70s alive in no. my 20s. Whatsoever. Mm-mm. Not happening. Um, Casablanca Records was formed in 1973. Mm. And after a very sort of turbulent beginning and trying to find its footing five years after that it was the hottest record label in the world mm-hmm. it was responsible for the careers of weirdly kiss no way yeah what we'll get to that okay. i know that kiss was actually their first signing no. donna summer village people parliament funkadelic and for a time they had um there was a moment in Cher's career when she was doing like disco, disco records. Stuff, that yeah. This one in particular, I really love and adore. Um, which was covered by Sophie Ellis Bexter. Oh, I love her. Probably in the mid to late early mid mm-hmm. 2000s. Mid to late early mid 2000s. <laughs> this is a long ass <laughs> intro too. But this every disco Cher. record this had like a long home. ass... I Disco mean the faggotry. It's just thick. It's thick. <laughs> hey, why, why? You've been getting your entire life on the dance floor right now. A lot of twirling. This is like hella disco. Oh. Great song. Great track. Love it. And then also other, you know, aside from their like sort of glam rock and disco stuff, they also at one point had Captain and Tennille. Yeah. With this song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. They had everybody. Captain and Tennille. I want you to do it to me. Do it to me. One more time never so I'm gonna put all this in the playlist um absolutely now I did not know that like I mean like I knew the Casablanca records had some hits but like if I if this is heading in the direction in which I feel like I might just start fangirling out a little bit, so I'm just gonna well gonna calm don't get your hopes up because <laughs> <laughs> um, those two I mean I love a Captain and Tennille like Look, Casablanca 
hands down has some of my favorite records from the 70s especially like in the disco pop disco sort of realm um i have a lot of their singles in my mm-hmm. vinyl collection they had a great logo and they did have a really yeah anytime logo. i see any casablanca records like in the bins i'll definitely pay attention i feel um, like didn't their logo look kind of like a mrs fields logo it had like a rope it's like red, isn't it? Yeah, it's red. Okay. I yeah. can't remember what the Mrs. Fields logo looks it's like. It's kind of like cursive font. <laughs> yeah, it did. Red, it was cursive red. and thick yeah. and red and juicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thick, red, juicy. Um, <laughs> it was based off the Mrs. Fields logo. Yes. As a record label during an American musical industrial industry boom, Casablanca Records formed in 1973 in Los Angeles and it embodied everything that's ridiculous about the 70s mm. the excess, the debauchery. And there's a great book out about it by Larry Harris, who's one of the co-founders of Casablanca. And there's so many juicy quotes from him in my Mm -hmm. story because he just let it all spill. He spilled all the beans. Mm. The book is called And Party Every Day Inside (laughs) Story of Casablanca Records. (laughs) (laughs) And Party Every Day. And Party Every Day. Every Day. Which is a kiss reference. Absolutely it is. That's a great title for a book. And party every Every day. day. By the way, I'm totally open to voiceover work. Anyone just... Just putting that out there. Casablanca, this is what Larry said. Casablanca was not a product of the 1970s. It was the 1970s. And no person or company in that era of narcissism and druggy gluttony was more emblematic of the times than Casablanca Records (laughs) and its magnetic founder, Neil Bogart. Let's talk about Neil Bogart. <laughs> Let's talk about the name Neil Bogart. Let's talk about the name because the name does, is relevant. Does Neil have like a middle name? He may do. I don't I know. I hope his name is like Neil Leroy a. Bogart. <laughs> it may well be. I don't know. I didn't come across it in my research. Well, hey, world, if you know what Neil Bogart's middle name is, let a bitch know. Let a bitch know. Bogart was, of course, from New York City. And grew up in the Glenwood housing projects of Brooklyn. I mean, like, wasn't everybody important from Brooklyn at some point? Well, all the people from Murder, Inc. were from Queens. <laughs> oh. But basically. It, like, or just New York in general. Well, Queens. Um, before Neil Bogart became, uh, like, a big music executive producer mm-hmm. dude, he had, like, a really brief singer as a, a career as a singer in the 60s you don't fucking say i do, do you think you ready i as ready as i can ever be he went under the name neil scott and this is his 1961 single bobby i can't wait oh, Ooh, those frequencies up there These lyrics. Mm. <laughs> what? Oh no, where are we going? Exactly. The doctors had done all they could. Now they could only wait. She tossed and turned, but all she ever said. You're curious, right? I'm really curious. I know. 
You really thought it was going to take a different a different turn yeah, for a while there. That was giving me was some like very, blurred like, lines. It was vibes. very roofy. Yeah, it was for a second. But anyway, it's not hard to see why that didn't really work <laughs> out in the long run. Yeah, I mean, you don't really come out of the gate with a song about an unconscious teenage girl <laughs> and expect things to like go well for not yourself. Not in this. Not in this. Era I mean, maybe of, in the sixties. I don't know. I wasn't alive back then. People weren't calling everything problematic every five true. seconds. Then they didn't have. The, they wouldn't yeah. be like. Um, um, what's his name? Neil? Neil, Neil Bogart? Bogart. It's like, Neil Bogart, is he for rape culture? Question mark? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. You didn't have memes about those kinds of things. No, you did not. So, before, so he, he, he was a singer, <laughs> and then he started running a record company called Cameo Parkway Records. He ran their, they were out of, um, actually out of Philly. Okay. But he ran their offices in Michigan. This I did a little bit of investigative reporting. Look at you. But basically this sentence will just sum up everything that I'm going to share about Cameo Parkway records today. After Cameo Parkway was shut down by the government for stock fraud in 1968. <laughs> stock fraud? What the fuck is stock fraud? <laughs> record companies are dirty. Oh, no shit. They're just dirty. Well, how does one commit stock fraud? I don't know. I didn't get fully inv- in- invested in that. But it happened. The, gov- it happened. the, the record government company was shot, sh- shut, shut down, down by the government, okay. which is, I guess, similar to Murder, Inc. in exactly. some ways. So he left Cameo Parkway, not the catchiest name for a record company. Mm. He became an executive at Buddha Records. Buddha. 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 Like, no, like, like Buddha. Like Buddha. Like Buddha. Like Buddha. Buddha Records. Yeah. Okay. Buddha. 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 He is credited with being a key player in the rise of bubblegum pop. Mm. During um, during that era, so this, this was is, the mid sixties. This was like late sixties, okay. early seventies. It was said about Bogart that he loved to promote and he would just market the hell out of stuff. Mm. So in nineteen seventy three, Neil Bogart, Mister Harris, and Cecil Holmes all left Buddha Records, and they started a new venture, Casablanca. And he came up with the name Casablanca because his favorite movie was Casablanca. And his name was Bogart. Get it? Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> oh my God, you're so clever, Neil. There's a lot of similarities between Murder Inc. And, oh, absolutely. And um, Casablanca. Two super uninspired <clears throat> names. <laughs> so, and the other guy, one of the other guys who started the record company, Cecil Holmes, he was a record executive and founded a label called Chocolate City, which was like a, this, this story has a lot of like spinoffs. Like there were labels mm-hmm. that sh- shut off from this label. This label was a shoot off from another label and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. What kind of music did Chocolate City make? Um, they had Cameo. Early Cameo. Yeah. Who at the time were called like the New York City Boys. Oh. And then they changed their name to Cameo. Good. They didn't have a ton of stuff. Cameo is like one of the best group names. Cameo is lo- a great name. It's a great name. Great band. But God, that. Their logo I loved a lot, too. Yeah, their logo was great. Did I put any cameo in my playlist? I did not. I will, though. Yeah. I will. Cecil Holmes, who was the founder of Chocolate City, (laughs) this is a direct quote also from Wikipedia. Mm Mm-hmm. In 1986, while working at Columbia's Black Music Division, signed New Kids on the Block for their first record contract. (laughs) There's nothing really else to say. That's a lot of white nonsense right there. That's a lot of white nonsense. Straight up white nonsense. (laughs) This is is the equivalence of like a Vanessa Carlton signing. (laughs) 
Is it not? I mean, there's a lot of parallel paths going Just on here. Just the fact here. That, that he was li- literally, di- his directive was the black music division. And then you're going to sign these like five, five white boys from, little, Boston. from Boston. Yeah. Anyway. So Casablanca was originally intended to be predominantly disco, mm-hmm. but their first massive dose of breakthrough success was with the release of Kiss. Which is crazy. There's and not their first album. It was a couple albums in. They, did they release alive. their first record? They did release their first al- their first too. record. Uh, let's get to that in a sec. Um, well, let's get to it right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why not? We're here. <laughs> We're here. We're queer. Get used to get it. Get used to it. The band's self-titled album. Do you know what that album was called? Kiss. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> it was released on February 18th in 1974. The top 40 radio stations weren't buying the fact that Kiss was a viable group. They just weren't having any of it. I don't really remember. What was on Kiss's first record? I'm going to play. Well, here, let's. Was there a good track on there? This is one of the songs. It's called Nothing to Lose. 1974. <laughs> 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 I thought that was gonna go a little bit harder out yeah. of the game. It just maybe that we went a little because too hard. We went, we hard. went a little too hard. We went really hard. So now I know why this record didn't do well. I mean, I mean it's fine. It's I good. Guess. I mean this is classic seventies fucking rock and roll. Like it's a good it's sound. Cl- it's, yeah, it's a good time rock and but roll. You had to come but harder. They were, the radio wasn't playing it. So Larry Harris from Casablanca Records went down to KLOS, which is like the LA rock station, and. Um, just started flirting with the attractive women there and mm-hmm. like I think had sex with them and Obviously. suddenly got them probably added did some to cocaine on some ice titties. Probably did some cocaine. They they used to have like these serious cocaine sets. Mm-hmm. They used to like advertise them in Playboy magazine. I don't know if you oh, ever yeah, seen no, these. I, like I, these I, I, did I, I showed them to you. I think I showed them to you. Like, They're like these beautiful beautifully ads. ornate like, like wood like cherry wood. Yeah, if you or, look like, online for like steel. classic like 70s cocaine equipment equipment ads they are some of the most beautiful things oh, you've ever seen designed. i mean i just want to get a collection of them for research obviously um <laughs> but there's so many great uh, like beautifully put together pieces of stainless steel like you said they're marble carved ivory things yeah crazy things yeah yeah i mean cocaine in the 70s was a it wasn't fancy, like it was fancy it was fancy it was fancy it wasn't like in the bathroom of the shitty like, yeah yeah I guess it was it too. It was, but, but it, it was just everywhere. So, but anyhow, and so so also when the when this Kiss album re- was released, it said that the they a party was thrown in Los Angeles at the Century Plaza Hotel, and the night became like legendary. It kept growing in size and scope until it became the most expensive music industry party in history to that point. Shit. Factoring for inflation, Larry says it may still hold that distinction. So they went How in. much money do they really do they have an idea of what it was? I can't imagine what they were spending their money on. I can't imagine either. The most expensive. They so it had to be like a lot of Dom drugs, Perignon, drugs, a lot of prostitutes, lot of probably. Prostitutes. I don't know. Maybe they were breaking things in the hotel, Could have been. taking up rooms. I don't know. Yeah, but they vandalism. were they were an offshoot of Could Warner be Brothers. Paying off, paying like, off vandalism, paying, paying that off, silencing paying people, off the police. Could be. 
a lot yeah, of things. I don't know. Yeah. But they were, they were at that time, they were a shoot off of Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. So they were a joint venture with Warner Brothers. But Neil Bogart was not a popular man at Warner Brothers. He was like kind of a dick. He was like bullshy, very like loud mouth, big personality, probably really high all the time. <laughs> definitely high. Really brash. And they so rubbed yes. them a long way. So they sort of had, he had like a really strained relationship with Warner. Mm-hmm. Warner began having manufacturing problems with their plants and they started just like focusing on their own Warner Brothers mm-hmm. acts. So Casablanca found itself with only with very, no mom, yeah, no distribution. And it was kind of, it was, it sucked. Yeah. So he was like, let, let us go. We'll do our own thing. I think he owed them like $750,000 at the time, which at the time is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Still and, a lot of money. And they wanted to just like, just, we don't care, just go. Yeah. But he ended up sort of paying them off. Yeah. So now they're independent and they've yet to score a major hit album. Kiss was out by this They'd point. They had like a couple of Kiss records, but not nothing like nothing really hit. big. Yeah. So they're like, we need something big. Mm-hmm. So they decide to record a two record set of audio highlights from television's The Tonight Show. With Johnny Carson. And Mr. Johnny Carson. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Johnny. The album was entitled Here's Johnny, Magic Moments from the Tonight Show. It was released in November of 1974. Get this, although the album was certified gold by the RIAA for shipments to stores of over 500,000 copies, Mm -hmm. the album did not sell well and returns from retailers of unsold copies were high. And people made a joke. About this album that it shipped gold and went back to the label platinum. <laughs> that's, yes. God, that's a good one. <laughs> so went good. Back to the label platinum. So they Woo. realized, yeah, it didn't really, con- it didn't translate well. That's a bummer. Well, shocker. People didn't want to hear intros from the Johnny Carson show. It was actually like, um, segments of like Interludes. comedy bits. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, back then that was like a big deal though. People loved that shit. They loved that shit. But then, okay, so then they started to get really into you know disco. Mm-hmm. That was really popping, and it was this records. was in like seventy five. Yeah, nineteen seventy five. Okay, this happened. Hmm. This fucking track here. It was just a absolutely huge. I mean, this record. is a fucking gigantic song. You, it's so yeah. fucking sexy it's, too. As our new president would say, huge. It's huge. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Um, 
It was released in 1975 from her second studio album, mm. um, from the album also called Love to Love You Baby. It was produced by Giorgio Moroder. It was written by Giorgio Moroder, rather. Yes. And produced by um, Pete Bellot. I believe that's how you say that, but I have no idea. Beloit? Beloit. Bellotti. Bellotti. Bellot. Bellot. Um, it became one of the first disco hits to be released in an extended form. What was the extended? How long was it? There was like a seven minute version of it. Mm-hmm. I believe is the longest one. Just a long ass cut. That's a long ass cut. A lot of orgasms a were, lot were of happening. Them. Yeah. It also, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame named it one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very important and influential record. So that mm-hmm. was like a really big shift for them. Yeah. Then they started, then also, this happened. There's another long ass intro. We should just change the name of the show to Long, long Ass in- Intros. Long Ass Intros. Well, long Ass Intros with Tom and Sam. Well, bye, well, bye. This is a, yes, an actual cut. This is like the fucking long version. The guy who mixed my second album was the nephew of the guy who was lip sync, and he played me the demo no of this. That's literally him at the piano singing all of the parts. He was singing that. Really? So good. Oh, God. I love this song. Like, I love this song. This is such a good track. This is, if you don't know, this is Funky Town by Lips Inc. cocaine oh all of the cocaine <laughs> can you just imagine people just like jittering around like i love that song speaking of all the cocaine mm-hmm. <laughs> i think this episode needs to be entitled all the, all co- the cocaine <laughs> i'm down let's do it why is this so quiet This is substantially quieter than the other records. Let's just speak very softly over it. This is another excellent. There we go. Going now, mama. Whole lot of women going now. So they were hip label. I mean, they were. If they this were is, they were turning it out. Well, why, well, why? Gotta have the fun. The funny story about that song, um, one of my, uh, a movie I like to watch when I get like really sick is the movie, uh, the classic 2000, well I think it was 2001 movie, Muppets in Space. Oh my god, that's uh, from 2001? I think so. And this is a movie when Gonzo was trying to f- figure out where he was from, and they open up in the, the house that all the Muppets lived in, and they had this whole like montage of them all getting ready to this song. <laughs> it's the fucking jam. But goddamn, this is a hit too. Such a big hit. And this hit. is. And what year was was that one? Um, I would have to double check. Like seventy six, seventy. I'm gonna say like seventy seven. Okay. 
So it's still like yeah. early in that in that five year period of you said them churning out them hits. This yeah, is, they were still like yeah. really killing it. And there was a story. There's a, a story. I mean, I definitely would love to read this book because it sounds like a hoot. A there's real so many stories. Um, there's a story that I've read of George Clinton going in there with like some pure, pure cocaine and saying that everyone needed to do something. If they did, they could speak Spanish instantly. <laughs> <laughs> they could speak Spanish yeah. instantly. And then he would say, like, I Woo. need a ton of money to do this and we're going to change the show and bring 30,000 people on the stage and pretty much exactly everything that he did. God damn, there's absolutely he no way I would <laughs> George Clinton's coming in there being like, hey, yo, you want to learn Spanish? In two minutes, <laughs> do this. Do this here. What? Spanish? So then something else happened. Neil started to develop. The label was blooming and blossoming. They were mm-hmm. doing really well. They were super hip. I mean, yeah. this was like a hip-ass label. New York City. New- well, no, they were actually Los Angeles. They were in L.A. By the- would- oh, yeah, I said L.A. Yeah, yeah, they were based in Los Angeles. Which is like... Which is surprising because... So what was the disco scene in L.A.? Because, I mean, like, when you think disco, you, you think, think Studio 54... 54. You think you think Manhattan, you yeah. think all that shit. But also there was a lot of record industry here. For sure. Movie. Oh, another thing too. Um, they were also a, a film company. They Casablanca oh, no merged with a film company and they had a couple movies. One of them was like Midnight Run, I believe. Oh, that's a good that's a classic, yeah. Film. I think that's correct. But they were starting to, you know, build the European connections and Neil Bogart came up with what Larry Harris refers to a list of characters, guys dressed in leather, a construction worker, a cop, some cowboys and Indians. Thanks in part to Bogart's efforts, the village people, a half serious, half tongue in cheek parody were assembled by two French producers, Jacques Marali and Henri Bonolo. And the village people were born. And their novice New York music attorney. (laughs) (laughs) And ladies and gentlemen, this faggotry ensued. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Just Just all the cocaine. All of it. I wish you could see what we're doing right now. I'm just imagining, like, the person who's, like, orchestrating this in front of, like, the, the musicians just sweating their balls off. Balls. Just like, let's run it again! Let's run it again! <laughs> wait, I guess we should wait for the chorus. We have to. Yeah. Now, obviously, I wasn't alive when this came out. Absolutely not. Because I'm only 20 years old. (laughs) But it's one of my earliest childhood memories of seeing something really gay and not really understanding what it was. Super gay. It's gay. It's gay as fuck. It's like a six on the Kinsey scale. (laughs) I think it might have like toppled the Kinsey scale. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I remember seeing their outfits and not fully 
I felt I felt weird. He said something in the milk ain't clean here. I did. That's what I said. There even might be a I didn't little sugar in the tank. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the village people for you. It is. Were they a pretty big hit at the time? Oh, I guess it's just. I mean, like, yeah. I only know them from like obviously like yeah. When I mean, they, they were they, big they had in the nineties. Several huge records. Huge records. And yeah. And this kind of helped push things along for them when they started. So that was a question I had. I this think. was like at the peak success the peak of, of the yeah. of Casablanca. Yeah. It's weird that they were in LA because when I think LA in the seventies, I think rock and roll. Yeah. You know? Like and like I said earlier, like Well disco I think that's I why they had str- they struggled yeah. in the beginning. Was because they had this overly rock and roll set. I and mean, that's maybe why Kiss was their first signing. That yeah. makes a lot more sense. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> By the late nineteen seventies, they had reached an era of like absolute pure gluttony here's another quote from the book from mr larry harris there was blow everywhere it was like some sort of condiment that had to be brushed away by the wait staff before the next party was seated cocaine dusted everything it was on fingertips tabletops upper lips and the floor <laughs> i love this guy's writing style oh, like i course. think i need to read this book you have to i want to read it now too yeah it's giving me like mad, um, like uh, Miles Davis's autobiography is kind of written the same. Like, did you just like press record on like a tape recorder Probably. and then read the transcript and like, yeah, that's good. Print it, P- cut and print. We print it tomorrow. It's gold. It's gonna be big. <laughs> I Tina. <laughs> um, it just sounds so crazy. Oh, absolutely. And, and while just everywhere, everywhere, cocaine, money, and apparently like. You know, Neil was like spending so much money. The label was spending so much money on different things. Mm-hmm. But they were making a ton of money. Well, they were still. making a ton of money. Yeah. But there was a time. There was a story of when Neil had approached him and said, "Larry, we need ten thousand dollars to make payroll for the week. We're out of money, and I'm out of ideas." <laughs> and this was still, you know, when they were successful. Mm-hmm. He also discouraged. He loved the employees to spend lots of money and be really lavish. Mm-hmm. And he was just super flashy. Yeah. He would throw parties for everybody with Dom Perignon, lavish cakes, top level, you know, rent out the flashiest places. Yeah. He was super extra at all times. Super extra. He was like avocado because he's extra. At all times. Yeah. Yeah. That surcharge. Then started to chase the dragon a little bit. And in order uh. to sort of... You know, he was like cooking the books. Yeah. Things were kind of going off the deep end a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he started to go to Vegas before like Vegas was really legit. Yeah. Before the feds really like came in, took and took charge of that. Fucked up all the fun. It was super. It so was just mob, run by the mob. mob. Town, yeah. yeah. He went to <laughs> Vegas, which is also like perfect for something called Casablanca. Absolutely. And also a great thing for the movie. Uh, whenever this needs to be made. It needs to be made. Absolutely. Um, so he ended up going to Vegas to cash in a line of credit at the casino using the funds to pay f- the staff their their wages. He didn't even have the money to pay the staff. But it was a big gamble because in the 1970s, Las Vegas was still largely a mob-run town. The casinos wouldn't become clean until the late 80s. Neil was able to pay back the line of credit before anyone knew what he'd done. But the the mafia activities mm-hmm. did not end there. And things just started to get out of control. Um, he'd been threatened with a revolver from somebody. In the mob? Yeah. Okay. They were threatened to involve the cops. And Jeez. Polygram, who was like their subsidiary at this time, who was their, their umbrella company, mm-hmm. 
kind of caught on to what was going on. And they fired 175 people Damn. in the company. It just all kind of started to fall apart by like the end of the 19, by like 1979. Just because of his like mob connections and not being able to. They just couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep up. Spending disco too much was money. dying. And then here's the nail in the coffin <clears throat> was the, the disco demolition night. People were really sick of disco music. Um, there was a huge backlash in the United States against disco music, which didn't happen in Europe. And I think that's one of the reasons why dance music continued to be so big yeah. in Europe throughout yeah. the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, which is crazy now because <clears throat> disco is really big in the States again. Yeah. Like, but it was like they, um, a Chicago DJ, Steve Dahl, uh, told everyone to bring their new their disco records to the baseball stadium. Yeah, and so they burnt them all. No, it was like way. a huge deal. It was a huge like um, PR like, thing. It was just a huge like kick in the face of disco. Yeah. It was like fuck you, disco. We want rock and roll again. We're sick of. In my mind, it seemed like slightly racist and homophobic. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like disco was disco born was, out of those marginalized super voices. Queer super and queer, super, super black. black. But then also, you know, rock and roll becomes more popular. Hip hop starts um, and kind of really takes over the black community in that regard. Yeah. So, I mean, like people stopped fucking with it in that regard. And then also, too, I mean, like, honestly, like late that that early 80s house music starts around, too. So everyone kind of moves on. I mean, people that were still even involved in like that kind of dance sound. Yeah. Found something else. Totally. It's just so weird that it just kind of was so popular it was like in the 70s like i don't think is there any other like genre of music that a genre an actual genre of music that just like only stood within a decade not that i can think of I mean, maybe like dubstep that is true <laughs> God, that was a weird time yeah i think we all kind of just like had, let's not let's not talk about it so in 1980, it was just over. <laughs> it was just done. It was over, yeah. and um, Bogart had been bought out, and he left, and he started a new company called Boardwalk Records, and which he signed Joan Jett. Nice. And yeah, and then he died of cancer in 1982. Damn. Yeah. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Cocaine. Well, cancer. Yeah. He was 39 years old. What? 39 years old. Oh my god. So and he was like super young while he while this Casablanca Records was yeah, going on he was pretty young like in his early 30s late 20s he must have been wow yeah that's crazy yeah and so um so that was the end of casablanca. casablanca or was it or was it because and also just a side hustle side note mm -hmm. brother neil bogart has a son called evan bogart who's like a big songwriter yeah who, who's he written for he's or written for like brand i should really know this because i've worked with them before <laughs> but the, the one thing i, I remember hi about evan. him was that he hi evan he writes songs that are he picks a movie title mm -hmm. or a tv show title or something and then he writes a song about it oh that's kind he of wrote he wrote departed for brandy really yeah from and, the movie the departed well that was where he got the name from and i wrote a song with him called mad about you <laughs> which was terrible probably oh, god and we'll did never i see love mad about you <laughs> see you love some white bullshit i do love a lot of white nonsense sometimes i mean fucking come on now helen hunt and paul yeah. riser well i'll go for the first half of that equation 
I'm sorry. You have a problem with Paul Reiser? I don't have a problem with him. He is an American treasure. <laughs> I remember when I saw um, when I saw Whiplash in the movie theater. You know, he played Miles Teller's father in the, in the oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. And I was sitting in the theater, and I literally said out loud, is that a Paul Reiser? <laughs> in the theater. I was so excited to see him. No, God, no, no. Paul Reiser is great. Reiser. But Helen Hunt, yes, absolutely. But Helen Hunt. Any day. Yeah. All day. Um, they didn't put that show on Hulu or some shit. Yeah, it's. I know it's on FXX. It is. Yeah. All right. I need to get a television yeah. then. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's my big. That was my favorite white show of the '90s for sure. <laughs> Hands down. Followed closely by Cheers. Oh my God! Yeah, you made me watch Cheers. I, I actually really liked it. Sam yeah. and Diane. Sam and Di. Sam and Diane. Um, you want to hear some other really hilarious, yeah. juicy tea? Let's do it. So they kind of brought the label back under Universal mm. very softly in the beginning of two th- of um, the 2000s. Okay. In the year 2000, <laughs> they released an album by Academy Award winning actress Brie Larson. Really? Called Finally Out of P.E. <laughs> and I oh really- my God, how old was she? She had to be like 12. Ten, like 11, 12. She was really young, obviously, because she's what, like 25 she's like my, now? No, she's like almost 30. I think she's, oh, she's like almost my, 30. Yeah. Okay. I can't do math, by the way. Don't. That's why I have accountants. <laughs> that's what they're for. Are you ready? Yeah. I don't know if I am. This song is called She Said. And I love Brie Larson. I love Brie Larson. She's a great well. actress. Great actress. I didn't know she had a pop career. I don't think anybody did. Maybe that's intentional. Wow. So that's, that's a, that happened. I don't know why they decided that Casablanca was the right imprint for that, but also they um, put out Lindsay Lohan's album so a little it, more personal. No fucking way. Uh, is over on this one? Wait, what's... No, the one I want to hear is can't Rumors. Can't live without you, can't be without you. I'm dreaming about you. Honestly, tell me that. So, did no, this, this become like one. Radio Disney or some bullshit? Oh, yes, Rumors. <laughs> <laughs> and then also I have a story about this. Yes. Well, why, well, why? Come on, come on. Hey. God. This is like 2004. This is like, right? This is like. 2004. This is peak Lindsay Lohan. This is her at her, like, hottest. Bye bye. Yeah, I remember that All track. the cocaine. All of it. Um, 
Anyway, shout out to Lindsay. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. I had a little period in my life where I was hanging out with her. With Lilo? Yeah, she'd contacted me to write songs for her next album. This was in 2008, 2009. And I was supposed to be performing at... V Fest in the UK, mm-hmm. and there was a picture of me with Lindsay Lohan after I canceled. Because <laughs> <laughs> you like canceled for like sickness or something. I was honestly, I was completely exhausted. Oh, okay, I was like having a breakdown. Oh, okay. I couldn't like couldn't I was just it. like I've not slept. Yeah, and I just I need to go. I needed home. a break. Yeah. But side note, so <laughs> so that happened. So that happened, and you're like, so you were sitting at home, yes. I was sitting at home. We we had coffee. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We we read our Bibles. Yeah. No, but we honestly just we just had a coffee. Um, <laughs> and in 2012, the label was relaunched by Tommy Matola. Who I mean, what can we what can we say about Tommy Matola? Tommy Matola, he made music for a while. Some of the biggest Hits. I Carly, mean, Simon, Carly Simon, John Mellencamp, Mariah Diana Ross, Taylor Dane, Mariah Mariah. Carey, who we married. Yep. Gloria Estefan, Shakira, Anastasia. Anastasia. And guess who else? Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez? He did. No way. And now he's married to Mexican telenovela actress Talia. Is he? Who's a big deal. She is She's a big She's a deal. big ass deal. Big ass deal in Central and South America. Hell yeah. Um, And now, I mean, they actually put out some good stuff. Uh, a number of my friends are on Casablanca now. Like they have like Scissor Sisters. So oh no way. Um, the presets, yeah. totally um, enormous extinct dinosaurs. Yeah, love them. Um, I think Mika is on there. Cool. Um, other people like that. So they just kind of restarted with, with what seems to kind of still be within the kind of general like. It's modern dance music. Yeah, dance music yeah. kind of vibes for sure. I yeah. mean, when you say when you think of all those people, definitely. Yeah. So obviously Jennifer is not still. I mean, that's Tommy Mottola. No, no, no. That was Tommy. <laughs> that Tommy was just Mottola. a little like. So CV he started of Tommy that. Mottola. And so uh, Casablanca is still active. They are reactivated, and currently releasing yeah. records. Yeah. Well, that's fun. I think Tiesto is on them. I may be um, wrong. I might admit. Yeah. I think I saw his name in there. Well, I that's. Just good. Like, I mean, I didn't know that they were still like up and <clears> running, up and running. They got up and they got running again. <clears throat> that's good. Yeah. Well, hey. So, yeah. The rise and fall of an empire. The rise empire. and fall of Hansablan. But, I mean, the rise and fall of impossible rise again. Yeah. You know? You never know. In the words of our beloved President Obama, there's always hope. Make you say that again. Oh, Barry. Barry. We're going to miss you for sure. Yeah. Well. I guess... This is like the last, this is the last non-Trump week of... Yeah, this is our last podcast. This is our last podcast before Donald Trump becomes president. So... So hopefully we'll see, we'll still be back again. Yeah. Hopefully no one hits the red button. Hopefully no one does. Let's keep it easy. Let's keep it right. Let's keep it tight. I think we'll have to like spend some, some time... Everyone spend some time in prayer and meditation. Absolutely. Talk to somebody. Hug a baby or a dog yeah. or a yeah. cat um, um, or whatever that is. Yeah. Have a good time. Listen to some music. Listen to some music. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on that note, <clears throat> let's talk about like protest songs next week. Oh, that's a great idea. 
yeah, maybe email us too if you have some of your yeah. protest songs that you like. Also, please rate and subscribe. You can email us at contextofsound.com, Twitter at contextofsound. We've also got our um, Spotify and Apple uh, music playlists or accompanying playlists for the episode. Yeah, this week is gonna this be. This gonna be a pile. So good. I'm gonna have to say that one myself and play it all the time. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, so we've got that. Um, definitely, if you have any suggestions for like topics, you're like, hey, I want you guys to talk about X, Y, or Z, or any random things that pop up, just let us know. All right, are you gonna play black? Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed our hot fucking mess of a show thank you so much for listening um we really appreciate it stay up stay way up stay way up oh Oh my god it's time to start staying saying stay up again it is it actually is it's more than ever now more More than than ever ever. now more than ever hey stay up This is like such a good track. Looking at me, what you want to do? Remember they were in Bring It On? Yes, they were. <laughs> the t- the oh, your mind, baby. Oh, oh baby, bring it on to me. Bring it on. Fancy cars are gone, baby. Before all this in. Before it. This verse right here. <laughs> Come through. Would I be too forward if I told you how I feel? That's just the way I do my thing. He's so for real. He's so for real. <laughs> you know what's really funny? Oh, Jay Z was like. JC was suspiciously not involved in the music video for mm. this song. Suspiciously? Well, I think his thug appeal might have been too much for general audiences Shut the to fuck handle. Up. I'm done with you. <laughs> right, bye. bye, everybody. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs>